giant screen with a few colorful motion pictures you've been hearing about and reading it's about. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. We're delighted to have you with us. They're driving theater. You'll find something to please you to add to your evening's enjoyment. It's please pleased to bring you our Fifi feature presentation. presentation. What up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. It is Monday night. It is 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. It is December 12, 2022, and you're tuned into the Drive-In Speaker Box, the best in movie talk and film reviews and Yo. all kind of all fun stuff that that happened, people that died. We're going to talk about that. Yay! Uh, I got two of them. And, uh, and all that in between. I'm your host, Bo, the boom operator. I am Slick Doggy the Grip. And uh, yeah, if you're just tuning us for the first time, we are going to be talking to you about movies. We're going to be talking about mm -hmm. TV shows. We're going to talk about nostalgia. We're going to talk about the future. We're going to talk. We are the the ghosts of past, present, and future in terms of movies. We are the so, world. We, we are the children. children. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. If you are downloading this audio version, wherever it is you get your podcast, you could tune into the live stream at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time on Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube Live. One of those things. You can check it out over there. You can get involved in the in the comments, uh, just like Tony Garrett over on YouTube saying, Hey, you guys! Which, uh, hopefully, you're munching on a Baby Ruth and enjoying the show. Baby um, Ruth? Baby? Wish I could make my ears move like... Baby? Yeah. Uh, but then we've been chatting for a while. We do a little behind-the-scenes chat over on Twitch. If you guys want to follow us over on Twitch and become a subscriber, you can get like 30 minutes of extra content occasionally if I uh, if I'm you know up here uh, getting the, getting everything dialed in and, and flick on those cams and you can get involved in the chat there which you can see over to uh, I guess it would be uh, your right uh, camera camera uh, right but anyway um, yeah let's jump into some news tonight uh, do we want to start with some sad stuff want to start with some dead people because um, I feel like there's always someone that dies. Yeah, we can uh, do that. Well, uh, one of my favorite composers died uh, this week, and that was really kind of a bummer um, because he has, I mean, the the the, the musical genius uh, that this dude ha that is, and uh, Angelo Badalamenti, this guy. He just died yesterday. Uh, yeah, and I mean, this so... This guy, but before the drive-in speaker box became what it is now, like two dudes sitting here talking about movies, it was not really a talk show. It was a show about film scores, and the show started on the radio, where we were allowed to play music because we were underneath a broadcast license, and you know we weren't going to get like flagged for copyright infringement because we've had. Um, you know, we had those FCC protections in place. Um, and and Angela Battlementi was a guy that I played a lot on the show. I mean, this guy has... Uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm mean, i listening to a lot of his music right now because National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He did the score to that. Um, he, you know, Twin Peaks. Everybody knows Twin Peaks. Uh, that That's that's a huge one. Mm. Uh, he's just been... Lost Highway was another huge one. He that, did a couple of things for Lynch, didn't he? he oh, yeah. like Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks. Mulholland Drive, mm -hmm. uh, The Beach, um, you know. Uh, the Secretary, which is a really cool film. If you've never seen it, it's all about like spankings. Um, 
if you've ever seen it, it's a good one. And uh, I mean, he's just, he was just. I want to watch a movie about spankings. Don't lie to me, Jake. Um, it's the good kind of spankings. Um, anyway, uh, Secretary, it's a good movie. Um, anyway, he was a, he was a fantastic composer and, uh, you know, we could sit here and list movies that he's done and, and it'd be the whole show, but very, very, very good, uh, composer. He's, he's like so many awards this guy has won. And, you know, the, the thing about film or film score composers, there's not a whole lot of them, you know, uh, there, there, there's some, some greats and he was up there with the greats, you know, everybody goes, John Williams. And, you know, John Williams, of course, is John Williams. And, and at a certain point you listen to enough John Williams and it all kind of sounds the same, but uh, it all kind of sounds. He did same. Superman, though, right? Didn't John Williams do? Yeah, and it sounds exactly no, like Superman and Harry Potter sound way different. Okay, uh, hum a Star Wars theme, a Superman theme, and an Indiana Jones theme back to back to back, and see if they start to blend together in your head. <laughs> Superman will be different. Will it? Hum it. In- let's Indi- go. Indiana Jones. Hum it. Let's and- go. I'm not gonna do that. Cause you can't. Cause now that I put the no. other two earworms in your head, you're you're. Dun 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 No, see, way different. Uh huh. Okay. There's Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Like, yeah, they like do like that. And thing. Superman. No, anyway, but uh, Battle of Minty was one of those guys that was just always doing really interesting stuff and had a really wide range. Um, and Vince, thumbs up on Secretary. It's good stuff. Uh, Dina says, no, it's easy to pick out a John Williams score. Same as a Danny Elfman yeah, score. Yeah, Danny Elfman's easy to be like. Yep, you can be like, Bloink! that's Batman. Uh, yeah, uh, those guys are really, really easy to 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 pick out. Um, you know, but you guys you have guys like... Um, Jerry Goldsmith, who is just a little bit of a chameleon when it comes to, you're like, oh shit, that was Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, you know, guys like Battle of Minty, uh, uh, Alan Silvestri, although some of Silvestri's scores, you can kind of always nail them and be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's Alan Silvestri. Um, but, you know, uh, Michael Giacchino is also one of these guys who was an up-and-comer in the 90s as a new film uh, composer when Lost kind of hit the scene. And... Um, you know, he, he, again, has really grown and evolved and is a bit of a chameleon and can do all kinds of stuff. Hans Zimmer, you know, you can hear a Hans Zimmer score from a mile away, but he also has a pretty good pretty good range. Uh, and, you know, there's some scores where you're like, well, that's Hans Zimmer? Um, and it didn't have a qualm somewhere in there. Uh, Giorgio Moroder has a style, but he does morph a bit. And he didn't do a whole lot of uh, scores. More, I mean, the one that ever... More movies... With soundtracks by Mar- Giorgio Moroder, yeah. please. Well, everybody, like, the funny thing is one of his most famous film score songs is... And everybody's like, yeah, this is a cool dance jam. And it was like the theme song to Coast to Coast AM, which is an AM radio talk show that's legendary about, like, aliens and ghosts and shit like this. But it's really the it's the, the theme song to an incredibly depressing movie called Midnight Express. And Midnight Express is uh, is about this guy trying to escape like torture in a Turkish prison, and it's like. Dude, Giorgio <laughs> yeah. Moroder always goes hard. Yeah, it's so they good. Play that song in like Hot Rod. And, oh yeah. Uh, 
Giorgio Moroder, and he has a style. Another guy, uh, Tangerine Dream, also does a lot of film scores, but you can hear a Tangerine Dream score a mile away, and they're always awesome. Uh, talking about Giorgio Moroder and movies and stuff, if you've ever watched Yacht Rock, which I, I 100% recommend, uh, there are episodes, the later episodes, when Kenny Loggins has gotten into the movie scene, and he's turned his back on smooth music. Uh, Moroder comes in, and he's just like a space being... <laughs> Of like Euro funk and just is the coolest. God, I love Giorgio Moroder. Mm-hmm. Giorgio. Uh, Vince says, I was watching a 30s movie and the score sounded like The Wrath of Khan. I read in the trivia that Khan score is just left over uh, from this old movie. Hmm. That's cool. Interesting. Uh, but anyway, pouring one out um, for Angela Battlementi. Um, sad, sad stuff. So. Well, and and sticking with that, talking about Star Trek and Star Wars and and Indiana Jones and all of that. Someone who has worked on every one of those passed away as well. Richard Miller uh, passed away at eighty. Uh, he was a sculptor for Industrial Light and Magic. They brought him in for Return of the Jedi. He's most famed as the man that designed uh, the Leia metal bikini and uh, Davy Jones' tentacle beard from Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But he worked on, get this, he was brought in for Return of the Jedi. He worked on all the Star Wars prequels. He did the first three Pirates movies. He was in uh, several of the Next Generation Trek movies, starting with uh, Generations First Contact. He did those. He was in Back to the Future 2 and 3, The Rocketeer, Last Crusade, Howard, cool stuff. Howard the Duck, Inner Space, Willow, Hook, the best Christmas movie, uh, he was in The Mask, Jumanji, and he did Roger Rabbit. I mean, the dude did uh, my entire, like, formative ages. He uh, was responsible for all of it. Yeah, yeah, he's responsible for movies. Uh, and, and the worst, the or I guess the coolest thing about him, but the worst thing about his passing is that over the past two decades, he's been teaching sculpting as enrichment courses for the people at ILM. So while everyone at ILM is doing nothing but CGI stuff and computer everything, he was sitting there teaching everyone how to sculpt and how things worked in the real world and how you did movie magic and real effects Mm -hmm. when that was still a thing, when you still had real in movies when stuff existed tangible physical stuff Mm -hmm. you know we say this a lot on the show it's like you know our favorite effects are the practical effects because you know it exists it's there it might be a miniature it might be a a rubber skull it's or a sculpture but it and you can interact with it and you 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 hear actors all the time say like that's one of the reasons the t-rex like the the jurassic park scene when they first see the t-rex is so powerful because it was there and it wasn't like a tennis ball on a green screen where actors are kind of trying to pretend that it's scary it's there well yeah and talking like star uh, star wars like the rancor even like stop motion the fact that it's real the rancor looks way cooler Mm-hmm. Than any CGI would look. Yeah. At, at any time. So. And it has more of a how they do that. You know, I say this on the show a lot. If you've ne- if you've never listened to the show, this is new to you. But if you've listened to the show for years, uh, like some of our viewers, um, y- you know, the the movie magic is is not so much about how cool a special effect is. It's more of a how they do that. You know, just just like a David Copperfield or a magician on stage. You know, they're not wizards you know you but to, you're like oh, how, Copperfield I, I know he did make the Statue of Liberty disappear but you're like how did they do that and the fact that you know you take this moment and you're like I don't 
I don't know how it was done. And it's cool because you're like, wow, that's a cool trick. And just like practical effects or a big giant rubber monster his head explodes or like the scanner's head exploding scene, you're like, that is awesome. How'd they do that? And, you know, like nowadays. All the stuff in the thing. Literally the entire movie of the thing. You're like, how the f- they do that and it's cool because you're like wow someone made that and that's impressive but nowadays like that's why I, I just don't get wowed by these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies I'm like oh they had a team of Koreans in a sweatshop pounding away on keyboards like that's how they did that yeah you like, get to the end of the movie and it's always like dudes with very central European uh, or like Eastern European names or um, yeah Pakistani or Indian names or, or Korean names and, and it's just like legions of them mm-hmm. and it's and like, it's like uh, FX oh, department. Yeah, they shopped this out to a CG studio somewhere. And um, you know, uh, if you can, if you can make me wonder how they did that, that's where that movie magic. And I think that that's where the first av- going to Avatar because we're going to be talking about it a little bit later in the show and probably sooner than later. The first one had a lot of how'd they do that factor because James Cameron invented a lot of new technology for that movie. And I don't know, you know, I know this next one's going to make a lot of money, but it's I don't there's we all know how it's done. And I like Dina's how'd they do it? Kermit riding a bicycle. How'd they like, do yeah, it? How did Kermit's legs work? Um, let's see. Uh, I think the best effects mix of everything, CGI and soon AI to seem actively suck your imagination, uh, says Vince over on Twitch. The AI, um, that's a whole can of worms that, that I think we have yet to even scratch the surface of copyright laws and how this is going to affect media moving forward because you know i've been playing around with ai generators they're easy they're crazy they're addictive and fun to use but they're also just plagiarism machines and they're pulling in images and uh, you can you can even see on a lot of these images coming out where you, the stock photography uh, like stuff that's like blended in into the thing, and you're like, well, they just pulled this off of Getty Getty images, and they're like smashing it together with algorithms. Yeah, I I did it uh, for uh, like everyone else, and one of the pictures it, it there's like a little girl over my shoulder. It like gave me like a hypothetical child uh, that's like somewhere between seven to ten or something like that over my shoulder and i'm like why do i have a child in this picture and it's like it? it was like upload nothing but pictures of you and your face and make it work different angles and, and then you. i did it and it was like you have a weird child now and then there's one like a like a uh, bruce campbell head coming out of your shoulder uh, yeah kind of i'll show you later but there's also one where there's a crowd of like oblong me's behind me it's just like a horde weird. of like misshapen me's eerily staring at the back so of i didn't i didn't use me. the app that everybody's talking about i i so i've been using mid journey which is uh like ha- the ones where you put in the prompt and yeah you have to like learn how to use the prompts and you can you can go crazy i've made a lot of weird stuff um on it uh, I have not done any of the portraits. Um, I just, I don't know. There's something weird about uploading yeah, my face. It's not worth the five to eight bucks that it costs to do it. Oh, dude, Mid Journey's thirty bucks for a month, um, and you get unlimited images, and it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Oh, that's not bad. Um, Dina says I'm writing about AI usage and colorization of photos and films, so it has its virtues, but the whole conversation is dense. And yes, I think that this this technology is going to be is going to revolutionize a lot of stuff, you know. But I feel like it's also going to 
really be be extremely murky before we figure out. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a big pendulum effect on it where everybody's going to be using it, everybody's going to want to use it, and then somebody's got to figure out how to monetize it, and then they got to figure out who gets the money, and that's where it all comes down to. Uh, kind of like some of that news we were going to talk about earlier uh, or today when Westworld pulling HBO or uh, HBO Max pulling Westworld from HBO because that's like it's expensive. The, we don't want to pay the residuals to these actors and actresses that are in this movie, so uh, we just yes, we just uh, debuted it, but we're about to pull it. We're about to pull all of it wait what and, yeah so i missed this Westworld hbo's series they're pulling it from hbo max so you can't watch an hbo show on hbo no because the law as long as it's streaming on hbo and is still within their contract time with the actors they have to pay residuals to these actors as it's on hbo and since no one's really watching it they don't see it as a um a, a profitable model to continue to pay these actors and actresses these these residual payments so they're pulling it from the show to save money and yeah you see this moth is just going crazy um, I it was on a spider web i was trying to save it you no know, he's just he's just having a good old time um it's different than this but uh but yeah i mean it's all going to be money and that's this ai stuff is is going to be money it's it's kind of like the de-aging and you know like peter young peter cushing in the star wars movie it's like who owns the rights to your face like when you're dead who gets to make money off your face and uh it, it's it's a big conversation and it's not going to it's not going to have a, a a solution anytime soon um yeah so, so- anyway uh, one thing actually related to movies about this, uh, Dina brought in that Peter Jackson used some AI technique for They Shall Not Grow Old, and archivists have been so man, I think, yeah, mad. Uh, why? That documentary was fantastic. It's very good. I watched it in the theater, reviewed it on the show. Uh, it's so good, and I think the, the AI was really the only way that he could rescue a lot of that film and make it work. But the thing about it was that he took film from World War I uh, and he added in audio that didn't exist or or was deteriorated beyond the point. And estimated Um, what the colors would be. And, and, uh, yeah, was able to add some color, uh, but but complete some people's faces, I think is where the AI part of it came in, is... um, completing the image in some ways and adding color and stuff, but it made it very human and real. And the thing was too, in addition to that, he brought in people that read lips and he hired people that came from the same town in the same province and all that stuff that those guys came from so that their accents that from the specific British town that they came from was portrayed through that person. Like he looked up who it was on film, where they were from, uh, and found out what they would have sounded like based on the specific village that they lived in. And he had someone from there because voice he, them. And it was amazing. He's Peter Jackson. And as Dina says over on Twitch, she follows up and How do you explain says, The Hobbit? You can't just use, he's says, Peter Jackson. He says, archivists are mad that it sets an unrealistic expectation for how archival materials can be presented and digitized. Which, But they, so actually when you watch that movie in the theater, and I'm sure it exists on the disc version, they have a little documentary about it. And they're like, this ain't something that just happens. It took like years, years and years of them making and researching and making sure that everything applied to that was as accurate and true as possible. Well, I mean, There's no guesswork. It's why I get mad at the Waltons like for opening up all these businesses here in Bentonville that set unrealistic expectations for people to go, you know, dine and 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 get a drink at these these businesses that they build 
that that are like they're pumping millions and millions of dollars into like a cool little corner restaurant and everyone's like well why is your what is your bar not do this because the one in Bentonville does and it's like well you know I'm not funded by a trillionaire um so yeah I mean I, I understand that unrealistic expectations but I mean honestly come on this is this is this is a movie. Yeah, Vince said something about people only want Ken Burns documentaries. Uh, Ken Burns documentaries are good too, man. They're they're not bad, but the uh, there was one film uh, for that that Peter Jackson did. You know what I'm saying? And it was it was a lot of work. Uh, so a little bit different in terms of how they made that happen. So. Uh, Vince just said he thought I was upset at the TV show The Waltons. So uh, I, I do forget that not everybody lives where we live. We live in uh, northwest Arkansas, a.k.a. the heart of Walmart. And uh, so one of the richest families on the planet lives in our area, and they invest heavily into our area, building businesses that they want to see and kind of playing SimCity with our, with our area. And uh, so, yeah, when I when I reference the Waltons, it is it is that family the, of of quadrillionaires. When are they gonna have Godzilla come stomp the place? God, who knows? They just keep putting in the cheat code. That's what know? I did. I would always have Godzilla or on the Super Nintendo version. I had Bowser, giant Bowser, just come oh, crush my SimCity. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, do you have any other news news bits that you're? Because um, I don't want to talk about the Golden Globes because yeah. there was a bunch of stuff I, I had and it all got left at work. I talked about that in the pre-show, but one thing I did remember about is Julie Andrews, uh, I guess, has been being asked about Princess Diaries 3, and she's like, it ain't going to happen, dude. And everyone's like, but why? And she goes, we talked about it after the second one came out, but now Anne Hathaway is an adult and she's grown and probably doesn't want to get yeah. back involved in that. And she and she was like plainly just like, I'm too damn old. You guys, I'm in my 80s. It's not going to happen. It's ridiculous. You know? her, her like exact quote was, in reality, that's probably not going to happen. Be real. But uh, really what she said is like, well, I mean, we, shit's not going to happen. What's man. funny, though, is her argument is like, I'm too old for this. Meanwhile, Harrison Ford is being injected with liquid money to be like, da 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 And um, going to be an action hero once more. Yeah, I mean, there's like a difference between the star of The Sound of Music and friggin' Indiana Jones. Yeah, well, you can't inject her with enough money because they don't have enough for a project like that. But, you know, they can... What was like the South Park episode, just curing AIDS by throwing more and more money at it? Yeah, that's Uh, how Magic uh, Johnson cured it. $30,000 of pure cash injected directly into the bloodstream. (laughs) Well, uh, but in other news, one one little bit of news that I wanted to... Yeah, Indy and uh, uh, Sound of Music Lady, yeah, both uh, fought against Nazis. There you go. Oh, look at that. Uh, one one bit of news that I wanted to mention that I thought was hysterical is, uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter this week, Stephen Curry is teaming up with Amazon Studios for a feature film based on the Sega Genesis video game Toe Jam and Earl. Is it mm, now? The, if this was like an animated, hand drawn, hand drawn, animated three D CG, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to see three D CG. This was a hand drawn. animated movie I really love Toe Jam and Earl Uh, you know people walk in the theater that don't know about it 
and the soundtrack will hit them and they'll sit there for like an hour and a half and like what the hell did i just sit through yeah how's a movie gonna make sense out of a procedurally generated level video game uh well about like Earth, terrible earthlings, these two. So, Toe Jam and Earl, if you've never played the 1991 Sega Genesis video game, it has a, it had a sequel called Panic on Funkatron, and then it had two other sequels, one on Xbox and one as late as 2019, which I think I downloaded, and it played a little bit of it, and it wasn't bad either. Um, and it was Not on, the one that we used to play together. No, that was the last one, the one that just came out. There was, there was uh, Panic on Funkatron was still on Sega Genesis, and there was one on Xbox, like Xbox One, and then there was we the played. one that, that we played, the, the newest one that just came out in 2019. Well, we played Xbox that one. one. Or Xbox, the first one. Oh, original Original Xbox, Xbox yeah. And uh, so it's about these two aliens, ToeJam and Earl, and they uh, come from planet Funkatron, and they are cruising, cruising through the universe, just bumping fat beats, just just looking for snacks, and just trying to party. Well, something happens, and they crash land on Earth, and their ships all scattered apart. Yeah, they screwed up. And they're like, "Crap, we got to go search this goofy ass planet to find our pieces of ship." It's a dude, where's my car scenario, and they got to go assemble their their. Funk's powered spaceship to get back to Funkatron, but all these weird ass uh, humans are kind of in the way trying to get them. And it's a great game. It's a it's a it's a fun game to play with a friend. It's a it's it's one of the best OG co op games that ever hit consoles. And uh, and it's silly. And I think this is going to be a, a dumbass movie. You know what they're going to do? They're going to do like 80s or 90s movie where instead of being the monsters or it being animated, it's just going to be two guys in remotely similar outfits. And they're going to be like, you're Toe Jam and I'm Earl. And they walk around and they just act weird. And and they, yeah. Yeah. It'll be like the Fat Albert movie kind of. Oh. Yeah. Where they're just like, we're slightly out of place. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, well, hey, let's befriend you. And then there's like the one person that's their friend and shows them around and. They were like, oh, it's okay that you're weird. And they're like, yeah, spaceship, bye. Because, yeah, I don't want to see a Toe Jam and Earl that is not a, a big, fat, one-eyed the, cheeseburger monster. It'll just be Earth or Girls th- Are Easy with a Toe Jam and Earl soundtrack. God damn it. I don't want that. Now, if they if they somehow Sonic the Hedgehog this, I will be pleasantly surprised. If they pull off a Sonic, I will I will be like, genuinely shocked but i'm not excited about this news despite this being one of my favorite sega genesis games of all time and uh they should make a booger man movie oh god booger man <sighs> uh you know what too netflix talking about things that don't need to be done uh they announced that they're doing a live action my hero academia uh for all you weebs mm, out there speaking of things that don't need to happen live yep. action animes yeah live action animes but uh netflix just doing it all they're gonna do juan pisu uh they're gonna do uh my hero academia they're probably gonna find something else that they uh fan base and they're gonna be like well what if we uh make it weird so there's that for all the weebs out there. Uh, talking about weebs, uh, there at the beginning of the show, uh, Vince asked me if I'd heard of Shin Ultraman. Looked like a Fathom event. Um, I haven't, but Ultraman is rad. 
AF. Uh, so maybe I'll look into that. Uh, talking about Ultraman style stuff, I did find at the bookstore while looking for uh, Christmas presents for people that there is a omnibus of the original run of Common Rider in uh, hardcover. Moomin Rider? No. Common Rider. I like Moomin Rider from One Punch Man. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, he's so funny. He just rides a bicycle. It's great. It's but great. Common Rider's out there, and Common Rider is a super killer TV show. Uh, well, one more piece of news before we get into the rest of the show, because we're out of time for news. Uh, Dune Part 2 wrapped principal photography this week, mm. so post going to post-production, so it's oh, moving forward. We didn't talk anything about how DC is disintegrating. Did we not talk about that last week? No, because oh, more we're just stuff talking about it in out. the Discord. Yeah, yeah, more stuff has come out about how... Follow uh, us in our Discord. Wonder Woman 3 apparently is just not going to happen or something like that. Uh, Henry Cavill, even though he left Witcher to be Superman, might not be Superman anymore. At least he won't appear as Superman. And Jason Momoa has reportedly uh, canceled all projects with Aquaman moving forward because he's going to be recast as Lobo. All of you know that I love Lobo, and I think that's super cool, except I wanted my Steve Austin Lobo. Although you did say, you have said many times on this show that they're like, well, Jason Momoa would make a pretty good Lobo, but he's already cast as Aquaman. You have said those words. Jason Momoa should have been Lobo instead of Aquaman. Agreed. Uh, But instead, they made him Aquaman. So they need to make Steve Austin Lobo so that he can do, just like I said, come in at the end credits of an, of, of Black Adam 2 and bust through the glass. So you have the shattered glass Steve Austin and he gets off of the bike and he goes, oh, hell yeah, you dumb bastard. And he like starts slamming beers. beers. Yeah. And then he like uh, stunners everyone in the room. And takes them off planet. Yeah. Then takes them off to sell them for bounties. That would be the best. Steve Austin, be Lobo. I need it. He could be a bald Lobo. I'll even put up with Steve Austin being bald Lobo. Steve Austin would look weird with hair again. He hasn't had hair since he was a Hollywood blonde. I don't think he's ever had hair. Yeah, dude, when he was stunning Steve. I, I that's not familiar. I'm not familiar. He was part like, of the Hollywood that's, blondes. That's way before like the blonde. The nine, like the only my my first reference of Steve Austin was like in the 90s. I worked at Spencer's Gifts, and they had all these stone cold Steve Austin crap that we would we would sell, and uh, just redneck buttholes would come in and get their hell yeah shirts, and uh, and I was like, what is this guy? I got a stone cold shirt and it says stomping mud holes and walking them dry on the back of it. Oh man, yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, I'm I've got to respond to this uh, message really quick. It's work related, but uh, let's talk about movies that are coming out in theaters this week because there's only one really big one. Yep, one big one that everything has been making way for, uh, which is why Black Panther continues to just. Uh, run wild to a point uh, it's not the kind of money marvel would expect uh but the reason that everything is creating such a wide berth in addition to disney's marvel nonsense is avatar 2 the way of water uh is coming out and it's and just gonna it, make every every dollar and well i was looking at um you know my family we always go see a movie on christmas day that's kind of a thing we've been doing for you know as long as i can remember and this year's been challenging because we're like, okay, well, you know, what's playing? And you, it's everything, nothing that we have. It's like Puss in Boots, which is coming out next weekend. Um, Avatar, which is 
three hours and ten minutes. And then we're like, oh, we'll go see Babylon, which is three hours and five minutes. Like, what is with the, and then you got, you got like Wakanda, which is three hours. And you got, like, why, why are all these movies three hours? Like, I don't want to go to the movies for three hours. Like, I really, really don't, y'all. Speaking of, uh, thanks for being with us tonight instead of being out there watching Conan the Barbarian right now, but there is another chance to watch it tomorrow. tomorrow. That's where your boy will be. But I looked up the show runtime for Conan the Barbarian uh, because I do work at night times. And it is 170 minutes long. They have stretched Conan the Barbarian to three hours. Uh, I don't know how much of that will be uh, extra content. It is the 40th anniversary. Uh, It's a a two-hour movie. It is a two-hour movie. Mm -hmm. How did they make it a three-hour movie? Yeah, I mean, I've owned every edition of the DVD that there is. How yeah, how is this? A, how did they make it a three-hour movie? 40th anniversary, man. How? Maybe they show how they made the snake. Maybe know. it's just 25 minutes of Arnold talking about how uh, itchy and uncomfortable the black paint was. I don't know. Because I've seen a I've way too long of an interview about that. The commentary on the DVD is hysterical. It itched. It was so scratchy. The black. It didn't come off. We hit it with soap in the hotel, and it didn't come off, and it itched like mosquitoes. My favorite part was like something like in the that. original commentary to the, the first edition of the DVD, uh, Arnold had not watched this movie since they wrapped filming. Right. Oh, that commentary track was like, it's, what is this? What is this coming up? Oh, yeah, I, rem- I remember we like, did this. Oh, I uh, punched that camel. Oh, my. I got laid a lot in this movie. Oh, my God. Oh, and it's, just, it's so hysterical. Uh, it is it is one of the best uh, DVD commentary tracks I've ever heard. Because he's just like, I'm, I've not watched this movie since we finished. Oh, my God. This is so old. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, Vince says the Fathom Event Opera, he's going to watch three and a half hours. I would expect that from something like that. And yeah. if it's being live streamed or cast or whatever, I imagine there's probably still an intermission in there like most stage plays tend to have. Um, Conan is just going to be sitting straight through it. Uh, I've boom, watched boom, boom, Conan boom, a million boom, times. Boom, boom, I uh, boom, boom, I don't boom, recall boom, it boom, being three boom, hours, but boom, 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 I doubt I'm going to be upset about it. It's just, it's just like... 30 extra minutes of him on the uh, the Wheel of Pain. Just like <laughs> uh, growing biting, up. Biting the vultures and No, stuff. that's the Tree of Woe. Oh, the Tree of Woe, yeah, The yeah. Wheel of Pain is when he's, when a, he's kid a kid. And he gets freaking So it swung. shows him through more stages yeah. of his life. It's mm-hmm. like the whole thing. Yeah. Or it's him like sharpening the uh, Atlantean so sword. Just for days. It just, yeah. And it's just like, what I would see is the adventures of Conan and Subutai, like just rolling through towns, like thieving on jewels, just like tavernizing the town, getting black lotus up and just like squeezing booties. And- <laughs> what it's going to be, the extra time is going to be the cook at the, uh, at the snake orgy with the green human soup. And he's going to be like taking ingredients and he's like, oh, just up pinch of salt uh, and, and eyeball yeah and he's like taste testing it he's like and like adding in more spices and it's just him like stirring, stirring the, the pot of green juice with the hands in it well and the guy when he walks away he grabs the hand and goes 
like bites the finger. It's so silly. Dino on Twitch says, I'm also kind of interested in the increase in epic run times for films. I feel like there's some research they're using to not require the films to be edited down. And I, I you know, I'm curious about this too, because I've been thinking a lot about it and I feel like it's it's about like theater dominance. And and that's just a, a theory that I've had about being able to take over more screens of a theater so that you you're the only option in these theaters. Oh. Um, you know, because like all these multiplexes, you know, if you've got these contracts where you have to be on X number of screens and show this so many times. Well, if you've only got, if you got three hour runtime movies, you can't show as many movies because you have to make room for those three hour movies. So I don't know. I, I really don't know because I don't feel like it's, it's something about like, well, I'm paying $10, better get my money's worth. A good movie is its money's worth, not how long it is like that. Like, I, well, no one's ever looked at a movie and been like, wow, three hours. Hell yes. I'm definitely getting what Unless I paid it was for. Dune. When I saw the runtime for Dune, I was like, hell yes. Yeah, half of it's three hours. Yeah, yeah, but the majority, no one's going to the movies because like, dude, you see this movie's four hours long? I feel like I'm getting my $10 or $15 worth of it. No, most people are like, I'm going to go watch the movie because of the movie, Mm -hmm. and then the runtime is is inconsequential unless it runs long. And they're like, I don't want to get up and pee and miss part of my movie because then it's always going to be at the part where they're like, what what happened? What a miss. Golly dang. That's like, um, what was that movie? Uh, The World War I movie uh, that came out a year or two ago. uh, Dunkirk? No, it's like one shot, and it's like oh. about those guys. Like it's called like yeah, nineteen seventeen or something like that. Guy, yeah, that movie. I actually, on a rare it occasion, wasn't one shot. It was edited to look like it was one shot. Yeah, on a rare occasion that I had to use the bathroom, I had to get up and pee, and I came back, and I was like, oh, I clearly missed something important because there wasn't one part of that movie where you could get up and use the bathroom, except for the one part that I was like, oh, I can't use the bathroom right now. What if something happens? And it turned out there was like ten minutes of nothing. Uh, and then right after that, you if you missed one second, well, you that's the thing it all. with three-hour movies. There's lots of points where there's ten minutes, but you of don't nothing. know. Yeah, um, isn't there a website that tells you when it's safe to go pee in a movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like uh, I forget the name of the website, but it's like a PP counter or PP time or something where you go uh, when when to pee. I think is maybe the way I don't know, but there is a website and an app where it's uh, run go pee. That's it, run go pee. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. Um, okay, well, uh, it is. Uh, we got twenty minutes left, so uh, let's review some stuff. So we just we just covered the fact that Avatar is coming out in theaters this this next weekend. Uh, if I am gonna go see it, I'm gonna try and see it in 3D IMAX, like it's intended, mm. um, which I can't stand because I'm not a fan of our IMAX because it's a IMAX and the chairs are uncomfortable, and I'm not a big fan of 3D because it makes my head hurt and the lights are never cr- correctly calibrated. It has to be pitch black dark. Wear those fucking glasses. And, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you, James Cameron. Yeah, 3D and, sucks when you wear glasses at the movie theater. So. Yeah. So And the IMAX, yeah, the seats are like all, it's like the old stadium, uh, like the old seating. And they're just crammed in there. Yep. And you're like, because, and everyone in the United States is fat as fuck now. And so I'm like, like sitting here like this with some just morbidly obese whale, just like being like, hey, can I get some more arm room? I need room for my nachos. And I'm just like, can you bring back the COVID spacing, please? Please. Please. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. That should be part of my A-list subscription like, is that I get COVID seating. Um, just like, man, you know, like, I, I know. Uh, uh, Night Alice is like, damn, bro. Like, I, you, I mean, I've had a lot of bad experiences sitting next to super huge people in a, in a theater and acting like 
I'm the bad guy for wanting to like have my own cup holder, and then and then they're just like like bleeding over into my my seat. Like it should be like an airline thing. If you're that big, get two seats, you know, and uh, just like pull the because they have the ones that pull the thing up. It's like, man, come on, man, you're you're you're, you're or let's just design theaters if they, America's getting that big. Like Silver Dollar City doesn't even sell rocking chairs anymore because people got too big. And this is real. This is real facts. Because I went there and I was like, where are all the rocking chairs? I miss sitting in a rocking chair and and looking on the porch over the scenic mountains and they're like we can't do that anymore because everybody got so fat and i was like are you kidding me and they go there's the one big one outside of the lumberjack oh camp. yeah that's not real but i was like is that are you are you are you kidding with me and they're like no um you know all of our stuff was handmade and it was duty rated to 350 pounds which is pretty industry standard for chairs but too many people were coming in and crushing our chairs because they were too fat and suing us and so we just stopped and I'm like, holy shit. Um, and I'm not trying to fat shame anybody. I grew up incredibly overweight. Um, but, man, just ruin it for everybody else. Um, <laughs> Cracker Barrel quit selling, then you know you got problems. This is true. Uh, what else? Okay, yeah, uh, Willow. I'm going to talk about Willow. And I know Night Owlishly uh, and, and, and I have not had this conversation yet, but I, I did comment on a thread where she was saying just like Warwick Davis sucks and I'm like hey hey now um so I, I caught the new Willow three episodes that are out it's the only the only episodes that are out right now and I have to say I did not enjoy the show I've heard no good things it is not good it is it is it is terrible um it's one of those things where they they're trying to appeal to a younger audience and a piece that, that their their PC checkboxing has gotten to a point where they're not even concerned about story continuity. And one thing like, you know, you can you can make the main character, you know, identify as a frog and, and gay and whatever. I don't care. That's great. If, as long as it fits in the story, that's fine. Um, you know, that, that doesn't bother me. I think that's great. You know, make it, make it normal, make it not feel weird. But the moment you start to make it weird is when it doesn't fit into the world. And the problem I had is with two of the main characters that everybody's like, my Lord, it seems like a Laura Dannon is having a problem. They go, man, I guess I'm just a cool guy. I'm talking modern day and I'm the daughter of so-and-so talking like we talk in 2022 and, and being just so out of character for this world and and they assemble the most stupid implausible group to go on this quest and it's just so many of the characters are just paper thin and barely written out and then you get to willow you know and you're like all right yay warwick warwick davis you know here he is and then as I think Night Owlishly put the complaint that she had on this thing was, oh, did he forget how to act? And and I was like, well, you know, watching this, I'm like, Willow's the only one that's actually playing the same character that he did in the original film, which he was like 17 when he was Willow. And it's not like Willow was, you know, Macbeth or anything. He was just like an idiot wannabe sorcerer that screwed everything up but had a heart of gold and somehow managed through his heart of gold made it work and seeing Warwick Davis is just like the same Willow and I was like I was kind of impressed Warwick Davis has continued to work for a long time and he's been in a lot of projects um, 
and not far off history. So I don't think that in an event that it seems like he's acting poorly is going to be on him. Uh, if anything, it's probably direction. On the the, he's the production. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel if he like kills a scene on set and just like that's fucking acting right there, then the director might be like, mm, what if you did it right more there. like cardboard with a stick in your butt? And he'd be like, I don't, oh, okay. I don't think he's like about the character. Right. You know, so uh, they they're given direction. They don't get to have just free run. Of well, you know, you think about Warwick Davis. I mean, he's the leprechaun, dude. He's played a hundred different characters in like the Star Wars movies. He's like five different characters in the Harry Potter universe. You know, he's like the head of Gringotts. I think he is Gringotts and he's Professor Flitwick and he's, you know, he, he can he can act. This dude's got chops. He plays himself in uh, what's the show where um, they have like the acting agency. It's like a British comedy oh. show. Yes, With, I know um, what you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it, but uh, um, yeah, but life uh, is short. Life is short. Yeah, and you know, watching the show, everything feels out of place, and 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 nothing feels like it exists. And in the world, the world of Willow, um, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they didn't create this world. They didn't craft this world. It just feels like generic fantasy world, you know. And they're they're referencing this race of you know the pecs, which is a bad word. You probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> um, peck. Yeah, uh, as Velvet Santa pointed out, um, you know, and 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 they're they're making references that, but it just doesn't feel immersive as a world. And, you know, Velvet Santa asks how the music was. They use a couple of the same themes, but it it just, it it feels so CW modern. Mm, and it, yeah, it is kind of gross. And it doesn't, it doesn't pull you into the mythos. It doesn't pull you into the world. And they keep re- referencing like Mad Mardigan, like he's going to show up and he's not going to show up because it's Val Kilmer and he, he can't. No, he's in it. Is he in it? Yeah. He might not be in the episodes that are out yet, but he is in the show. Holy shit. We talked about that. Are, did they did CGI him? No, no. He's like, he shows up. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll keep watching for that. Now, she says, I think you missed my other comment that said a part of what you're pointing out. There were some things I didn't feel like the Willow I loved, but it's hard to watch because it didn't feel right. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Um, and They probably top gunned him. They probably top gunned him. Um, and it just, I agree with you. It does not feel like the Willow, the, the, it doesn't feel like the movie. It doesn't have the magic. And maybe that's because Laura Dannon doesn't know how to do magic anymore because she sucks. And, uh, movies don't, we talked about that. Movies don't know how to do magic anymore. Something like Willow that was made in the eighties, uh, when there was a time of movie magic still and, and computers were in their infancy and, and, they were they were being used for like ultimate good instead of pe- people's spank bank machines and stuff instead. And they're like, what if we just CG everything? Uh, movies were better. Well, Velvet Santa asks, is anything as we remember it as kids? And this is this is a mm, this is a big one. This but is a big question. The, I could spend a whole show on this. The cool thing about a movie is that you can go back and you can watch it now and you can find out. And Willow is still Willow. 
Yeah, and Night Alice says there is a trend to put those modern day political talking points and it can be done well and then it's like shoved down your throat bad. And yes, that's where it goes back to what I was saying. It's like you can make it natural. You can make, you know, any anybody that gets online and is mad about two boys kissing or two girls kissing can go fuck right off. Like like wake up. It's been happening forever. It's and it's going to happen forever. But when you when you shove it down your throat or you take something that's modern politically charged and you go, we're going to rewind back a thousand years in a fantasy world and make the same problems here. It's like, you have an opportunity to make it not a problem here, to make it normal. Like, that's why Star Trek was always so cool, is because it's like, hey, let's go in a world where these we don't have the same problems, and look how awesome things are. And, um, you know, and when you're just hammering it down, you're actually making the problem worse by, like, alienating people that it, it feels weird to. And nobody likes things shoved down their throat um you know and and you can do this tastefully you can have female knights you can have you know uh people of color you can have all of these things you can have minority representation you can have you could even have a handicapped guy like you know the the wheelchair guy can be there there was a show i can't remember what the show was but it had, oh, it was uh, Lock and Key. Lock and Key on Netflix. As a kid that didn't have any legs. He had, like, prosthetic legs. And it was like, he was just the character. Not like, hey, I'm prosthetic leg guy. Don't forget, I don't have legs. But I'm still acting and I still got cast. Remember, take a, take a look. Take a look. It wasn't like that. It was just a dude. Like, yeah, yeah, we got a handicapped friend. It's cool. It's tight. It's whatever. Everybody does. And uh, more more things need to do this instead of, like, you know... Just, just beating it over a hammer and making it super awkward. And this movie or this series is just everything. They're spending too much time trying to modernize something when the whole purpose of making this show is to bring back a beloved thing and expand it. And instead of doing that, they're like, "Nah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna put a coat of paint on it and put a sassy." sassy princess that wants to swing a sword it's like like we're gonna do something new it's like dude we've been doing sassy princesses that also fight swords for like the past 30 years uh not even close guy because jennifer lawrence (laughs) said (laughs) (laughs) yeah jennifer lawrence the first female action female lead action role ever god Hunger Games groundbreaking. <laughs> that was my first drive-in speaker box spit take, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, oh, that's not what she meant to say. What she meant to say was that she feels oh like she god. was the very first oh uh, action role for a female lead ever to have happened ever <laughs> ever. Don't not I that can... she was, but that she feels like she was. Jeez. Um, Night Alice also pointed out Dragon Prince is pretty rad with managing it. Agreed. You know, they had a, a deaf character on that felt so normal and so just here it is. It's just the, it's just this character, not like freeze frame. We included a deaf person. Look at how awesome we are for this deaf character and everyone going, look, you're deaf and we accept you. Like there's, it was just the character's deaf and does sign language and it's awesome and she's a badass and she's a she and a knight and it doesn't feel weird and dragon prince is actually really good if you're not watching it you should it's a it's a pretty great show um lots of great inclusion too without feeling super stupid and and down your throat um anyway yeah i'm not feeling i'm not feeling willow which sucks because i really love that movie and um 
I don't know. I like Warwick Davis. I've always liked Warwick Davis. He seems like a really cool dude. That's um, true. I'm, I've never heard anything bad about him. He seems rad and like his kid acts and all that stuff and mm-hmm. those little uh, interviews with like him and his boy, like uh, them doing acting together seems really cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it was a really fun set to be on, but uh, I'm not really enjoying the show. But thanks, Disney. So there you have that. Um, yeah. Did you watch anything you want to just like? I just watched zip through. Yeah, I watched. Uh, yeah, I can zip through it real quick. There's not much to it. Uh, I watched Netflix uh, Pinocchio. You know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Guillermo uh, del Toro. Yeah, del, uh, del Toro's uh, Pinocchio on Netflix. Stop animation is cool. I'm glad that they they're doing some stop animation projects and stuff like that. Uh, the rest of it not cool. Um, basically, the idea is: what if they got way too many celebrities, threw them into a movie about Pinocchio? But this time, Pinocchio is not set in a pre-technology time. It's not set in the 1800s as it was um, in in its originality or anything like that. But instead, it's set in post world war 1 pre world war 2 mussolini italy where they want to co-opt pinocchio to be a immortal soldier for the glory of italia so geppetto is like making a no. cyborg no so geppetto didn't even he like made him while he was on a drunken tirade upset that his child was killed by errant german bombs uh and he was just like drunk and wasted and made pinocchio and was like you know what screw it i'll finish it tomorrow and then mystery magic fairies brought pinocchio to life i got no strings to hold me down i'll take this gun i'll shoot this clown like (laughs) kind of like he's just like a psychopath weirdo which is closer to how like the 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 original stories and things were i mean you know you're kind of selling me on it well the thing is that pinocchio's innocence makes him like so out of touch with everything because he knows nothing so he's like geppetto's murdered son's soul taken and put out of place into the Pinocchio body. So he child's plays Pinocchio. But he doesn't know that he's the kid. All he knows is that he's like a 10-year-old that was brought into the world but doesn't know anything leading up to those 10 years. So he doesn't know how things work. He doesn't know not to trust people. He doesn't know the word no. He just does things, right? Uh, on impulse. Like American children. And, and then consequences happen. Yeah, kind of. Uh, and then you have uh, Philip J. Fry, I mean Cricket, um, who is uh, Ewan McGregor, who lives inside of Pinocchio because Pinocchio was carved out of the tree that he decided to write his memoirs in. Um, one cool thing about it is that all of the written language appears in Italian. So even though they're oh, speaking cool. English, all the words they put are like Italian, which is kind of neat. Um, I mean, you're selling me on it now. I kind of want to see it. Here's the thing. It's like over two hours long. It's like over two hours, uh, and it's a musical, a very awkward musical. Uh, Talking about Harry Potter, you know the dude who's the angry janitor and the the man that murdered the Stark family? Yeah. He's Geppetto, and he sings. Now I'm sold. How how is this not awesome? It's weird, man. I love weird. But at the same time. Totally up my alley. Mussolini's like taking over Italy. It's fascist Italy. And they're like, well, we're going to make Pinocchio a a soldier. 
And Pinocchio I, dies and dies and I, is reborn time so and it's time like again. That Tom Cruise movie? from like a weird Sphinx. No, the Sphinx thing is like you have to wait till the sands run out, and each time it's going to take longer until it takes eternity, where you'll see. live with me forever. And Pinocchio's like, but I'm going to ask you questions while I'm here, and I'm going to be annoying. No, too soon. And then he gets brought back to the real world, and like I told you, you'd come back to life. Now kill him again. I want to see this movie so bad. It's it's not as cool as I'm making it sound. I'm, I'm making it sound way cool. Yeah. But it's not cool. The stop motion thing will be definitely up your alley. It all sounds completely up my alley. I mean, so the cricket, whose name is not Jiminy, his name is like Philip J. Cricket. Um, he has a mustache. That's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to have to see this movie. I'm going to watch this movie at some point. So, uh, yeah, expect a second review of Pinocchio where I'm Tom, like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Tom Kenny is the voice of Mussolini. So they're like, who, see, Tom- who should I pick for the fascist leader of Italy? And they're like, Spongebob. You dude. have not said a bad thing yet. <laughs> like, this movie sounds awesome. But anyway, we are out of time to talk about it. We got to do the box office roundup because it is that time clock. It's weird. I I, I didn't care for it. Uh, it, it. It drags. It drags on too long. Okay. I'm hitting some highlights. It drags for this two hours. So just, just be ready for that. All right. Well, uh, let's do the box office roundup. <clears throat> it's the box office roundup for December 9th through December 11th, 2022, the one that we just passed. We're going to give you the top 10 movies in America like we always do because uh, America only cares about the top. And we give you domestic numbers only because that's what the studios look at to give you green lights for future sequels. Before we get into it, Velvet Santa said, and you still haven't watched Polly Shore's Pinocchio. I did. I did. Yeah, I, we I, talked I, about it. I, I watched it and I talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. It's straight to dvd russian pinocchio and it's weird too buddy uh all right well we're gonna start with number 10 and we're gonna work our way out to number one and i'm gonna hand it over to jake number 10 if you please uh coming in at number 10 climbing from the 21st spot in its second week of release six hundred seventy-nine thousand dollars brought in by spoiler alert uh bringing its domestic total 782 it gained 777 uh theaters it won that little jackpot pool of a slot machine number of theaters uh, and that brought it up 11 spots so uh, go it uh, and then number six also in its second week of release I Heard the Bells an all fathom a uh, fathom event too oh how about that yeah mm-hmm. uh, it brought in $791,000 um no, I'm looking at the wrong line. You you threw me off. Uh, $750,000. Yeah. Uh, it's second week release, bringing in its total of $4 million so far. Um, so it had a killer first week. Uh, yep, a lot of Fathom events. As event says, lots of screenings. Well, yeah, lucky for them, there's not many choices out there, which is a good time for them to weasel on in with things. Um, coming in at number eight. Eight, uh, it's first week Fathom event. I think it mm, is this one you're going to, Vince. Uh, the Met Opera, The Hours, brought in 791,000 uh, for its total. There, uh, see where it goes. Most Fathom events are only like a week or two tops, one or two days. Uh, yeah, some of them will ex- uh, extend to like a, a week or two, but it's like only a few days of the week. Um, but most of them like two days. Yeah, Vince said Saturday and Wednesday. So they had a Saturday show. That's how you get a weekend total. Conan, today and tomorrow only. 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. If you want to see it, you got to catch it tomorrow. Um, and then coming in at number seven, uh, climbing a spot uh, there as well. Uh, in its fifth week out, not really in that many theaters. We do have it here. It is here. I thought about watching it, but I had a lot of things to do. And the idea of sitting through... 
a movie that long that's just a Steven Spielberg patting himself on the back type looking movie. I couldn't do it. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I did the same thing. I was I like, oh, a, I could watch the Fable ones. I had a couple hours to kill, and I was like, I can't kill them this way. I was going to watch Devotion too, but the, the showtimes made it where I wouldn't be able to do any of my errands, and it, it made it tough. I do want to watch Devotion, but uh, Fablemans uh, brought in $1.1 million, bringing its domestic total after five weeks to 7.3. It also gained 335 yeah. theaters. So, still not even in 1,000 yet, though. Right. Uh, it's still fresh even though it's been out for a while uh and then number six another one that climbed a spot that's this is unusual how many movies are going up in spots uh black adam brought in 1.3 million bringing its domestic total as only 166.8 million um dc that's bad for eight weeks um Probably better than what some people thought, but not as good as Warner Brothers would have ever wanted for it to be, which is probably why you're getting all this news about DC restructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and which also, too, they're saying uh, Black Adam probably won't continue after this, despite being the only thing that got some eyes back on DC for even a little bit. Um, and then sticking around at number five uh the movie i was just mentioning there in its third week out brought in two million dollars uh bringing its domestic total up to almost exactly 17 million dollars uh it too gained 53 theaters lots of these adding theaters and climbing the list just trying to get in there before avatar just goes yeah but between black panther and avatar they're like now's the sweet spot do it um, and then hanging in tight at number four in its fourth week of release, another slot machine pool four four four. The menu brought in two point seven million dollars, uh, bringing its domestic total to twenty nine million. Um, it's a really good movie by him. Uh, I will probably watch it when it's streaming. I know I, you know, we don't like that kind of thing, but that's when I'll get a chance. Uh, and then sticking around at number three, there is no changes in these spots. Strange World in its third week, another th- slot pool, three, three, three. It's uh, very weird that the one, two, three, four, five has, uh, hasn't has moved. Yeah, not at all. Uh, and then the other ones are kind of trading with themselves. Um, but Disney's Strange World, three point seven million, bringing its domestic total as only thirty million. Uh, no advertising is going to do it. In Disney, never learns their lesson about that. Nope. They like, well, how? Why did no one watch John Carter from Mars? We just we didn't advertise it at all. There was one trailer for two seconds, and then we and we, we changed we, the name of the movie twice. Yeah. So. There you go, Strange World, same fate. Uh, number two, another slot pool, two, two, and second week of release, Violent Night. Uh, reviewed that on the show. I think we both watched it. Um, not a bad movie. No, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Violent Night. Thought it was pretty good. Brought in eight point seven million. It too added forty one theaters, uh, and it now has twenty six point seven million at the box office. Probably not too bad for like a, a smaller action Christmas type movie Uh, and then holding tight at number one not going anywhere until this weekend uh, in its fifth week out Black Panther uh, domestic total 409 million dollars 11 of that was brought in this weekend which sounds like a lot of money compared to everything else we were just talking about but they're still not happy with it. Supposedly, this is like one of the most dismal weekends of the entire year. The the uh, box office total across the entire country was only like thirty two 
1.6 million or something like that. Uh, Vince had a couple of comments on Twitch. The first one was, holy crap, a re-release of Father Stew uh, is 23. It's actually playing here. Yeah, what's it? it's I called thought. Father Stew, and then there's like a colon and something It's like, like a re-release. Yeah. And then uh, also says, neither of you guys saw Black Panther. Um, no, again, it was a three-hour movie. Bro, I mm-hmm. have, you know, you, you've asked before, can we go a show without Marvel? Can we go a show without uh, Harry Potter or something like that? I'm doing you a favor. I'm not watching a Marvel movie. I'm doing me a favor. I just, and I'm not watching a Marvel movie. These three-hour movies. Um, I have, I have no desire to watch Marvel for any any reason, man. Especially not like I mean, this is my busy season. Uh, I can't sit and watch a three-hour movie in October, November, December. I just I just can't do I'm it. I'm not gonna watch Angela Bassett be like. Chadwick Boseman died. This is a bummer. And then Shuri, whatever that actress name is, but they're like, um, Shuri's Black Panther now. And they're like, by the way, we got girl Iron Man who built her own suit and she's coming in hot. And Namor, who's a who's a um, uh, a guy Mexican Indian type character dude. And 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 we we have all the things. I don't need it, man. It's just I used to read comic books at one point in my life. And Marvel movies have always hurt me, but now it's just too much and they suck and I don't want to do it. I really don't need Black Panther in my life. I'm sorry. I'm not going to watch Avatar either. I'm going to let him do that. Like, remember when stories... I've never watched the first Avatar. ...were about telling stories and not about selling shit. Like, I mean, it's always a little bit about selling shit, but it seems like the good stories just naturally sold. Now it's just like they're engineered to just take our money. And it's not... It doesn't... You know, I mean, because the idea of it all sounds pretty cool, but it's just the execution of it just... I mean, because, yeah, I used to be really into comics, too, and you hear all the... You know, there's so many cool, you know, different perspectives, and you get to travel the world, and you get to, you know, see different ideas, and, and, and you you learn about different people and different cultures, and, like, yeah, comics were really, really cool that way. And now it's so... while like Jake just said it feels like it's trying to introduce you to all these different inclusive shove down your throat things in a way that just is like look you're not even telling these stories you're just trying to sell your shit and you know and and I think it hurts guys like us feelings the most because we know these stories are really good because we read them mm -hmm. and you're like uh so yeah I, I have plenty of books with really cool adventures from T'Challa and Storm and and the, the, and Namor. the trials and tribulations of Wakanda. Yeah, I have it where Namor is like a cool dude. I don't want to watch this crap on screen. Man, you know, if, if I have to make myself suffer through a Marvel movie for you guys, I'll probably watch the next Ant-Man movie, but I'm going to be so upset Mainly about because I Kang. love Paul Rudd. Yeah, I like Paul Rudd, which is really why I'm going to do it. And it has Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, and it has uh, uh, old um, Wall Street dude, why can't I remember his name? Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll watch that. That seems cool. Um, but Kang is going to upset me. Kang is yeah. going to upset me. Well, so. Night Alishly, again, you're, you hit the nail on the head. And that's, I, th- I think that anybody who watches the show knows that we completely agree. It's like representation matters and is very important. Which... It's just not when it feels like a pandering marketing ploy. A piece of news I forgot to mention. Uh, Times icon of the year, Michelle Yeoh. 
Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, a a movie that is all about representation and inclusion and it matters and it's important is everything, everywhere, all at once. And that is a masterpiece. I would watch that on repeat for three days and not get tired of it. She is 60 now Mm -hmm. and uh, the majority of her life has been spent doing film uh, and it's good to see her getting some international recognition, uh, recognition finally because... People like us, we've probably known Michelle Yeoh's name since for a long in her time. 20s. But they said that now, since everywhere, uh, everything all at once, or, or or whatever, now she's a household name. It's like, what do you mean? She was a Bond girl, bro. Yeah, like, dude. I I was watching Michelle Yeoh movies when I was a teenager, and like, because I was watching, I was really into uh, Hong like Kong she's action in police films. Stories. Yeah, police yeah. stories, the coolest. Uh, and I'm like, yo, who? And I had a big old crush on Michelle Yeoh, and because she was so awesome. And it's like it's taken this long. Yeah, she's in Crouching Tiger, which was like the biggest movie on the planet, and it's still uh, that didn't. And become she's a, a uh, yeah, yeah, she's a Bond girl, and people are just like, well, I don't know well, who what's, that, who's but, this Asian lady, and yeah. it's like you guys are the problem. Y'all are the reason we have this. All these shitty stories is because they're good ones that are out there. You're not appreciating. You need Marvel to like grab it and cram it and make you feel both guilty and sort of like oh well yeah i'm not gonna oh i'm 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 on board with this yeah because and, when when everything everywhere all at once or whatever like that's shang chi's mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh man it's i don't know it's hard educating people um but i forgot to mention that and i thought about it a minute ago and that gave me a perfect opportunity to bring it up go michelle yo uh, Vince says, I finally watched it yesterday. It seemed too much towards the end until it wasn't, and it was beautiful. Yes, that's like the magic of that movie because there are some parts where you're just like, okay, I get it. And it feels like it's about to start being too much. And then you're like, oh, but uh, you got me. You got me. See, that's why um, I can't watch Black Panther because it's just going to be too much and it's going to end by being too much. And uh, one I of my, don't like one. one of my favorite too much scenes that sucks until it doesn't is uh, from a ghost story, and it's the pie scene. And if you've never watched a ghost story, uh, I don't want to spoil it. Does, anyway, uh, it's a nine-minute scene of, uh, 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 I think it's Rooney Mara, eating an entire pie, like sitting down uh, and eating the whole thing and sobbing and I processing. I thought you were going to say Eugene Levy walked in on the ghost and there's like a hole in the pie. Yeah, it, it's this is, this is not the same pie. But it's it's a beautiful scene. Like uh, by, by about minute number four, or minute number five, as Dina says, that pie scene was difficult. Like either either you're having a difficult time watching it, or you're you're like, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. Why is why is this scene still happening? And then by the time you get to that end of that scene, you're crying. And uh, and it's one of those things where it's just it's too much until it wasn't. And you know, seeing something like that. You know, it's very rare for a director to be able to pull that kind of shit off. And uh, kudos to the ones that do. Um, so, anyway. You know, or an actor who can eat an entire pie on the screen. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a, it was a, an amazing moment on, in, in, in both a directorial choice and a performance, you know, because that's not an easy performance. So, anyway. Well, anyway, we have gone way over our time. Um, <clears throat> we're going to get out of here. We've got to wrap this thing up. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share it, tell your friends, uh, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. If you get on Twitch, you can subscribe, and then we get that money. Um, uh, Vince actually uh, clipped our spit take over hey. on Twitch, so you can 
you can grab grab that one there and take a look or you can participate in the chat we chat all week long over on our discord so you can throw in you can hear hear one of our viewers dina speculate uh, uh all of her math mathematic skills on the box office and uh fun links and all that kind of stuff all over the place so anyway we're going to get out of here. And as always, I am Bo, the Boom Operator. I'm Slick Doggy, the Grip. And we will see you guys next week. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.